Welcome back to Eat Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins. And if you aren't aware, that opening theme song was written by my son, who is eight years old, on his version of GarageBand on his iPad. I wanted to start off my podcast with the game that started all this from my office. But as I dug into how I wanted the podcast to work, I realized there was just too much to talk about when it comes to the Settlers of Catan. So here's a quick story of the spark that lit the fuse on this whole lunch hour board gaming phenomenon. I was at lunch one day with a co-worker and I was playing the Catan app on my phone. He asked what I was playing and I told him and explained that it was a board game as well. So I brought it into the office. We found a third person so that we could play. Then a fourth person started showing up. Then a fifth. And now here we are five years later. We have a thriving group of co-workers who come to play every day. Settlers of Catan, or just Catan as it's known now, came out in Germany back in 1995. It was designed by the now living legend Klaus Teuber, who by the way is releasing his memoir. It was due out in November of 2020, but I got pushed back to March of 2021. What people do not know though is that it won Teuber his fourth Spieljahres Award. That's the coveted German Game of the Year. He won his first back in 1998 for Barbarossa. He won again in 1990 and 91 for Hoity Toity and Wacky Wacky West. Those are the English translations for his German games that I decided not to butcher. Catan is now published by Catan Studios, as they have separated from Mayfair Games and Cosmos. Catan is a resource management game where you collect resources to build roads and settlements, convert settlements into cities, or purchase development cards to aid in your quest to settle and develop the island of Catan. The first person to 10 points wins the game. It plays three or four players with the base game, but it can be extended out to five or six with a relatively inexpensive extension. The recommended age is 10 and up, and it has been marked as the game that started the revolution of board gaming. It currently holds a 7.2 out of 10 on Board Game Geek with over 88,000 reviews, and it sits 334th overall. I believe that this is because some people just like to hate what is great. Rule Clarity Catan is a thicker rulebook than most lunch hour games. It is 16 pages long. There are a lot of rules to Catan, but once you know them, they are simple, make sense, and you shouldn't have to refer to the rulebook again. The rules are very clear. If you know somebody who already knows how to play the game, it might be easier just to have them explain it to you. Time to explain to newcomers. As the length of the rulebook would seem to indicate, it does take longer than most games to explain. This is not one of those games that you can explain as you go. You basically have to explain it all as you set it up, and then more as the game plays out. The first game with one or more newcomers will probably not finish in the hour. Knowing this going in, however, you can take the opportunity to really teach them some of the basic strategies. The Gameplay Setup of the Island of Catan can be anything from completely random or a preset based on a specific game you want to play. There are some more balanced island setups that you can use for beginners. Yet, in my office, we just let it ride for the most part. We lay the border, then shuffle and fill in the hexes. Then, we do the same with the number chits. Sometimes we'll go back and move things around so that there are not clumps of resources in one area, or two red numbers together, or anything else that just looks a little overpowering, like a sheep poured up against two sheep hexes with a red number. Each player selects a color and has a bag containing all the pieces for the game. There are four cities, five settlements, and 15 roads in each bag. Unless you're my friend Andrew, whose dog has eaten an orange road. 
We roll a die, and the highest number rolled gets to go first. Placement is done serpentine style, so the first person places first and also last. The last person places fourth and fifth. You get to place two settlements total, starting you with two points on your quest for the ten. To place a settlement, you choose an intersection of the hexes and put it there. Then lay a road adjacent to the edge of the hexes. The next player repeats this process, but must maintain at least two edges from every other settlement placed. When your second settlement is placed, you receive the resources associated with the hexes you have settled. The development cards are set off to the side along with the leftover resource cards. The longest road and largest army achievement cards are also set off to the side, and you are ready to start. Gameplay for Catan is relatively simple. On your turn, you roll the dice, and the hexes that match the result pay out their corresponding resource to anyone with a settlement or city on that hex. There are five resources. Brick, wood, wheat, sheep, and ore. You are trying to collect sets that allow you to build new roads, build more settlements, or upgrade your settlements into cities. You can also purchase development cards that can aid you with things like free road building, free resources, or a buried victory point. On your turn, you can barter with your opponents and build as you see fit. When you are done building or buying, or simply out of options for trading, play goes clockwise. With an understanding of the rules, the game flows very well. As the game reaches its closure, it can get extremely intense. A die roll can mean everything. Does the red player have two buried points and dev cards? A six means the orange player can build a city and win. If a seven happens, that pesky rabble will come, steal half my resources, and I won't be able to build my roads for the longest road in victory. You'll get these references after you play a few games. Trust me. Replayability. With the various setups, both in positions of the hexagons and the number chits, the replayability is very high. Each game is different. You also have the dice that add more replayability as they do not roll the same every game. If they do, you are playing with a witch or a wizard and I highly advise finding a different group of people. There are also so many expansions, variants, and add-ons for Catan that increase this replayability exponentially. Artwork There is nothing fancy about the artwork. Each item is well depicted, but I would not say that this game has artwork that must be seen to be believed. Also, with each edition, the artwork changes. I had the 4th edition. It looks different than my sister's 2nd edition. Both of ours look different than the current 5th edition. There is currently a 25th anniversary that uses the same artwork as the 5th edition, but it comes with this 5-6 to six player extension in the box along with a few more goodies. Component Quality Well, this is a hard one for me. I had the 4th edition, and I had the edition before they started making the tiles out of 1mm chipboard. So, my thicker cardstock hexagons are a bit warped. My frame boundary doesn't hold together very well either. The number chits, building cost cards, harbors, and special achievement cards, however, have held up nicely even though they're made of the same cardstock. They just don't get handled, shuffled, and fit together like the hexes and the borders. The hexes got warped by being taken all over the place, left in my car, my office, and subjected to various degrees of heat and humidity. The newer edition and version, however, is made of the thicker chipboard and will withstand these problems. My cards. Oh my gosh, my cards. They look like a dog has chewed them up. Now, to be fair, my game has been played close to, if not over, 200 times. The cards could have been saved had I known about card sleeves 8 to 10 years ago when I got the game. The robber, settlements, roads, and cities are all made of painted wood. 
They do not show any signs of wear despite the plethora of plays they have gone through. The dice are rounded corner D6 with engraved pips. They are yellow with red pips and yellow with red pips. This comes into play with some of the expansions. They have a nice way to them, yet they can still hate you even though they look innocent. Bang for the buck. Catan now retails for $50, and it can be bought at Target and Walmart as well as your friendly local game shop. Finding it is easy, therefore buying it should be easy. As I mentioned, my copy is over 8 years old and has been played a lot. My copy should probably be replaced, that would be well worth the money. If you assume that I paid full retail price and divide that by the 200 times it has been played, that is a mere quarter, 25 cents per time it has been played by me. The lunchtime potential. Sellers of Katan can easily be played in the lunch hour. The box says 60 minutes, but as I mentioned in the introductory episode, if everyone has their own set of dice, you can trim this game down to under an hour easily. It sounds weird. But not having to gather the dice and pass them saves so many precious minutes. And if you're going to use some of the expansions, those dice will need to be two different colors. The Other So in the other section, I want to cover ways to make your gaming experience better. Catan has been around for 25 years. There are numerous expansions, extensions, variants, scenarios, add-ons, and even more. If you go to Etsy and type in C-A-T-A-N, over 1,500 items will return to you, and you'll be tempted to buy many, if not all, of them. I received the box organizer as a Christmas present off of Etsy. This was the first of many box organizers I have purchased in my time. It allows for you to carry more than just the base game in your base game box. I have found this to be invaluable. It allows me to set up a special game and put all the pieces and extras needed for that one specific game in my box the night before. That saves a ton of setup time the next day. As I mentioned, Etsy has a lot of fun things though too. I purchased a clay robber to use instead of the gray wooden pawn. Why? Because he looks cute and he makes your game stand out from the rest. There are a lot of different Catan set pieces you can buy. I have a pewter set of Viking settlements, cities, and roads. It even comes with a Viking robber. It's a fun way to show your love of the game. If you have a 3D printer, you can find files for custom pieces online, or you can order some pre-printed for you. You can easily find custom color sets as well. The one caution I will warn you about with the custom piece sets, they might not come with enough pieces for all the expansions. Many don't come with boats, bridges, city walls, or other tokens needed to play more than just the base game. But, if you think you'll only be playing the base game, then go ahead and make it yours. There's also a longest turn card that I've yet to purchase, but I might once I get back to the office in person. It's an unofficial card worth negative two victory points. We have a few people with either analysis paralysis, or just take forever on their turn. I think it'd be a fun addition, and a fun way to kind of, you know, make my coworkers mad. I also think it's worth noting here, that there is a novelization by Rebecca Gablay. It came out in 2011. It was commissioned by Toyber himself. I read it at the start of 2019. It is very long, but it is very interesting. Is it worth the read? Well, only if you're a true fan of the game and want to go deeper into the mythos of Catan. Scenarios. I'm only going to cover and discuss the scenarios that have been released. I'll save the full expansions and other versions of Catan and the spinoffs for a later episode. 
So to start us off, we have the Helpers of Catan. There are 10 helpers in the Helpers of Catan. These 10 double-sided cards are a simple add-on for your game. They do not add any playtime, but might actually speed the game up a bit. For the simple addition, every player is dealt an initial helper based on their position of play. The rest are put to the side. Each helper helps the player by quote-unquote breaking a rule. For instance, Sean allows you to have more than 7 cards when the robber strikes. Gene lets you trade any resource 2 to 1. After you use their respective ability, you can either flip them over from the A to B, this does not change their ability, but just signifies you've already used it once, and use it again, or you can exchange it for another one on the board that nobody currently has. If you've used the ability twice, you must change out for a new helper. We use this addition when we're a little pressed for time. It does not see the table often, but it is always fun when we use it. The Oil Springs. The Oil Springs of Catan was the first scenario that I purchased. I cannot remember where I saw it or how I heard about it, but when I went to buy it, I bought it and helpers and frenemies, but I went to the Catan shop for Oil Springs only. That's how I spend money I don't intend to. Anyway, Oil Springs is a fantastic scenario, but it is a bit complicated. Oil is a new resource. It is produced on the desert tile and one lumber and sheep tile. These tiles now only produce oil. You then select the amount of oil tokens and metropolis tokens available based on the player count. Set the disaster tracker to zero and place it and the champion of the environment token off to the side. The hexes with the oil springs on them produce oil when their corresponding numbers are rolled like any other resource. The oil tokens count towards your hand limit of 7, can be stolen, and can be discarded if over the hand limit. You are limited to four oil tokens at a time. You can use oil in two ways. The first is to cash it in for any two identical non-oil resources. So, you could trade in one oil for two brick. The other way is to use it in combination with one brick, one wheat, and one ore to build a metropolis. A metropolis token is taken from the supply and placed under one of your cities. It now produces three resources as opposed to the two that the city produced before. Another option is to not use the oil and sequester it. To do this, you simply flip it over. The other side shows the oil symbol with an X on it. This oil is now out of the game permanently. The first person to sequester three gets the Champion of the Environment disc. It is worth one victory point. Of course, like the longest road and largest army, this can be passed around based on who has sequestered the most oil. Each time oil is used and not sequestered, you place the spent oil on the disaster tracker. Once five oil is spent by the players, the disaster phase occurs. The game pauses immediately. No more oil can be spent this turn. The person who used the fifth oil rolls the dice. If a seven comes up, coastal flooding happens. This means that any city on the coast is reduced to a settlement. Any settlement on the coast is removed from the board and given back to its owner. Roads and metropolises are not affected. If a non-7 is rolled, someone is about to get mad. Whatever number is rolled, one of those chits is coming off the board. For example, if a 9 is rolled and two chits remaining on the board have a 9, assign even an odd. Roll one die and remove the affected chit. If there's only one 9 left, it's gone. When a number is removed, that hex no longer produces its resource. 
unless it's an oil spring because pollution does not affect the oil springs. Whichever outcome occurs, move the disaster tracker or marker up one and return the oil to the supply. If you ever trigger a fifth disaster, the game ends because the island has been destroyed and the player with the champion of the environment token wins. The rules call it a Pyrrhic victory, meaning that the win came at such a devastating cost that the win is barely better than a loss. I know it sounds complicated, and it is considering the ease of the other scenarios. Oil Springs, however, is a lot of fun. Trying to balance the spending and sequestering adds more strategy. The game time is not affected because it is easier to score points, but 12 victory points are now required for victory. There are a few minutiae that I did not cover, but they are all in the rules. I advise picking this up if you can find it. It's typically less than $10, but apparently it's out of print right now. I would look into eBay. We take our Catan very seriously in my office. We even have a traveling Catan trophy. We have rules governing it, like you have to defend it or you forfeit the trophy. Why am I telling you this? Well, the next scenario I'm going to tell you about is Frenemies, which came out in 2012. This scenario actually encourages you to be nice to each other. Why would you do this? For favor tokens, of course. These new additions can be cashed in for various actions depending on the color and guild they are from. So, how do you earn these favor tokens? Man, I'm glad you asked. There are three ways to earn them. The first two are simple, but the third one's a bit more, well, not so simple. The first is to move the robber harmlessly. This means to move the robber to a hex that has no settlements or cities on it. Or you can move it back to the desert and you choose not to steal from anyone built on the desert. Secondly, you can give away a resource card to any player with equal or fewer victory points showing. The person can reject it and you do not receive your favor token. You can offer a different card or offer to a different opponent with equal or fewer points. If you can get an offer accepted, Take a victory token. The last way to earn a victory token is to connect your road to someone else's for the first time. You receive three favor tokens and the person you connected to earns one. Now, you can earn multiple from connecting to the same person, but they have to be two different roads. This does sound a bit complicated, it kind of is, but the rule sheet gives a great example that helps clear this up. Now that you have these tokens, what can you do with them? Well, that depends on what color or guild they are. There are 58 tokens, and they are not evenly divided among the five guilds. They are all either face down or in a draw bag where you can't see them. When earned, you draw them blind from the supply. If you have one gray from the Trader's Guild, you can trade one resource card from your hand for any other resource card from the supply. The blue merchant token allows you to take any one resource from the supply. The red road builder's token lets you build one road for free. The Gold Scholars Guild requires two tokens, but you get a free development card. And lastly, two green Master Builder tokens give you a free victory point. Now this may sound like it speeds the game up, but it does not. You now play to 11 points instead of 10, and this kind of evens back out the playtime. It is a fantastically hilarious expansion and variant to play with. We don't use this one often enough. I think we just have so many ways to augment Catan that we just cannot give all of them the table time that they deserve. The Santa Claus and Easter Bunny. Oh man, this is one that my brother got me for Christmas because, well, I think it's kind of obvious why he got it for me for Christmas. 
This small variant comes with a Punch-Out Santa, a Santa's Workshop tile, and 11 presents, which are actually just chits that show the other expansions and extensions for Catan. After you set up the standard game, remove the tile with the 2 on it, and replace it with Santa's Workshop, and place the 2 chit on the hex with the 12. This hex now produces on 2 and 12. Place Santa in his workshop and set the presents off to the side. You are now ready to go. On your turn, you can pay Santa one sheep to move to a hex without the robber, and everyone built on that hex receives a present. Or, you can give him two sheep and he will chase the robber back to the desert. Once you have two presents, you must trade them in for any one resource of your choice. The robber can never enter the hex with Santa, so you can use him to protect your high-producing hexes. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Catan Studios reskinned the scenario with the Easter Bunny as a free print-and-play on their website. This little scenario edition does not add a lot of playtime, but it does give you something to do with all the excess sheep you constantly have. Lastly, I want to talk about global warming. So this is an interesting variant that you can download for free from www.pnparcade.com. That's Paul Nancy Paul Arcade.com. I downloaded the 18-page file on a whim. I printed it out, laminated it, cut it up, and talked a few of my coworkers into playing it with me. It is not an official Catan Studios release. It is, however, a load of fun. It is reminiscent of the oil spring scenario where you make decisions that are beneficial to you, but they could be harmful for the island as a whole. The setup requires a completely new set of chits that are part of the PNP files. They are the same spread of numbers, but they are double-sided. Replace the ones in your base game with these. Use the yellow side to start the game. Set the green city tokens, green guardian card, and the new crisis cards off to the side. Also, you need to set the greenhouse gas marker to 1. Now, after every roll, before resources are given, you must consult the greenhouse gas tracker. If your roll is higher than the target number, draw a crisis card. These are always bad. They tell which hexes are affected, and then, left to right, whichever number matches a chit of that type on the hex is flipped over to the red side. The red side lowers production by one dice combination. So, 5 becomes 4, but 9 becomes 10. Both 2 and 12 are just immediately removed from the game. If at any time a chit needs to be flipped but it's already red, it is removed and the GHG level goes up 1. If the roll is below the target number, resources are distributed as normal. Unless, if everyone on the hex decides to not take resources, the GHG level goes back down 1 on the track, though it may never go below 1. Or, everyone on the hex can decide to intensify production, doubling whatever they would normally receive, meaning 2 for a settlement and 4 for a city. This, conversely, pushes the GHG level up the track 1. Another way to reduce the GHG level is to build a green city. To do this, add 1 wheat and 1 ore for a total of 3 and 4 respectively, and place 1 of the green markers under your city. The first person to do this twice receives the Green Guardian card worth two victory points. The last way to reduce the GHG level is to pay the green tax. When seven rolls, if every player agrees to pay one resource to the bank, the robbers move back to the desert and the GHG tracker moves down one spot. If anyone can't or doesn't want to pay it, someone else can pay it for them. Otherwise, the robber moves as normal. 
There are a handful of ways to move the tracker up towards destruction. Every time the longest road or largest army card is won or moved, move it up the ladder. Every city that's built that's not a green city, move it up the ladder. That makes five ways to move it up and only two ways to move it down. Like with oil springs, there is a delicate balance of what is best for the individual and what is best for everyone else. If the tracker ever hits 13, the game is over and everyone loses. If five numbers ever come off the board, everyone loses. I've only been able to get this version out on the table once. The game went super fast. Everyone, not me, was worried about the GHD level. I just plowed ahead and won while they were all trying to figure out how to be conservative and save the island. I don't quite think I played this correctly. It is a little more complicated than a simple scenario, but it is on par with the complexity of oil springs. The PNP file comes with discussion questions and topics, so if you are a science teacher, this free download is totally worth it. In summary, Katana is not only my favorite game, it is the game that got me back into gaming and away from the mainstream games. It also introduced me to this new board game renaissance. It was love at first roll. Without Catan, I would not be doing this right now. The newest edition has better quality hexes and border pieces. I obviously advise sleeving your cards for sure. I thought about getting sleeves for mine, but I think that's more like trying to put lipstick on a pig. This game is universal. It has been translated into over 20 languages. I actually have the Romanian and Japanese versions that a coworker brought back for me. Chances are there's somebody in your office that already owns Catan or at least knows how to play. This would be your best way to learn it. And you could build a bridge. I give this game a full recommendation. It is iconic. It is important to the gaming hobby. It is flat out amazing and fun. You can follow me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash eatlunchandboardgame or you can email me at eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges. Average Joe's Gaming is a weekly podcast brought to you by us. I'm Joe. I'm Tom. We talk about all things game related. In this hour-long podcast, you'll discover what has arrived in the game room, which Funko Pop Tom just could not resist, and maybe, if you're lucky, we might get around to talking about games. Might. Tune in weekly. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast formats. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.